Scotland is one of many countries exploring the use of physician assistants to increase their medical workforce. The Scottish National Health Service recently completed a two-year PA pilot project. The outcome? Physician assistants are wanted in Scotland. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, your host, and with me today is Dorothy Armstrong, Program Director for the Scottish National Health Service. Today we're discussing the future of physician assistants in Scotland. Hi, Dorothy. Welcome to ReachMD. Hi. Thank you. Nice to be on your show. Dorothy, let's start by discussing health care in Scotland. What's the current system and how do people access care? Well, the NHS started in 1947 in the UK. It really does mean that all the population of the UK, including Scotland, have free access to health care from cradle to grave, so from birth right through to the end of life. A very small proportion of people do pay for private health care insurance. You know, it's under 5%. It's a very small amount. Most people take the NHS um, provision. In addition, the way that people generally access is that they'll register with um, what we call a general practitioner. It would be a family practice. And that doctor would act as the kind of gatekeeper for other services. So if you needed to see a gynecologist or a pediatrician, that would all be done through your family practice. And who oversees healthcare in Scotland? Now, Scotland is part of the United Kingdom, and is the healthcare separated between the four countries? Yes, it is. We talk about devolution, so that we have our own parliament in Scotland, although we're part of the bigger United Kingdom. Um, and that gives us the ability to look at our own health care and to ensure that we take into account the needs of the population of Scotland. Because although we are part of the UK, we're a tenth of the population of England, for example, um, although we're in a much widespread geographical area from the very highly populated cities to much rural locations, including the islands as well. So quite a diverse population. What are some of the current challenges that Scotland is facing with its current healthcare system? Well, like um, many countries worldwide at the minute, one of our big challenges is the economic downturn and the availability of funding for healthcare. And that's certainly a challenge for us all in, in all the public services where we're having to look at skill mix and look at how we're spending public money as effectively and efficiently as possible. Um, but I would say probably many people are facing those challenges. I think in particular we would say we're seeing an ageing population again. It's very common in the Western world. But we're seeing people living to a much longer age with, with more chronic diseases, particularly um, chronic ill health and dementia. In addition to that, the actual workforce is tending to be less. So we've got less people providing for more elderly people and less younger people too. And again, the other issue around the workforce there is we're competing within the same kind of pool for young people coming out of school or universities. We're having to attract them to come and work in the NHS amongst all the other employers that are also looking for people to come and work for them. So similar really to the Western world, but I guess we have some discrete challenges as well, particularly in some of the rural areas where the population is decreasing, as I say, like the islands where there are very few people and most people are moving to the bigger cities. 
Well, in 2006, the Scottish National Health Service decided to do a pilot with United States-trained physician assistants. What led to that decision? Yeah, I mean, that was um, a really interesting time, and, and things have moved on a bit since then. But at that time, there was identified a need, what we call the kind of middle grade, I think you would say middle grade providers in the U.S. So for a lot of these posts that were filled by trainee doctors, we felt that there could well be a gap in that provision. So it was the Scottish government which they asked if we would help out by looking at recruiting some PAs from the States and bringing them over to Scotland for this pilot and to really look at the role, not in terms of whether it was a, we knew it was already a really well-established role, but whether this was a role that would be um, helpful for the Scottish NHS. And how was the pilot set up and what were the goals? The goals were really to see whether PAs could be a solution for some of our workforce gaps. We were aware that we were going to have less medical trainee doctors, but we also knew there were potential for other healthcare professionals to perhaps fill that gap. And I'm thinking there particularly of uh, nurses and some of the allied health professionals. But we really wanted to see whether PAs could be a role that the Scottish NHS could see as a really worthwhile opportunity for the future. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with Dorothy Armstrong, Program Director for the Scottish National Health Service. And we're discussing the future of physician assistants in Scotland. So, Dorothy, you guys decided to do a pilot project to see how PAs could possibly work in Scotland. And how did you choose the PAs for the project? Well, we had a really interesting recruitment process, actually. What we did is we asked for employers' interest, and once they were identified, there were, as you can imagine, there was lots of interest from different places around Scotland, um, from family practice, from emergency rooms and orthopaedics, for example. We then worked with a, a panel of interested staff, and we set up a whole series of interview questions and interview processes. We then linked closely to the AAPA and had some help there, and particularly with Marie-Michelle Leger and Bill Fenn, who were great in giving us some contacts. We then went over to the first AAPA conference, and that was firstly in Orlando, and that was just to get some information about PAs and make some contacts. And then the following year, a group of us went over to the conference in San Francisco and we carried out some interviews there. So it was a great opportunity to meet, obviously, a a whole group of PAs, but particularly to do some recruitment. And how many PAs were chosen for the pilot? And then where were they placed? We initially hoped to get 20 PAs, um, but it was more difficult than we had anticipated. Whilst we offered probably about 25, 28 PAs jobs, a number of them weren't actually able to accept the post for a number of reasons. I guess, you know, initially people thought how exciting going away to another country and seeing a bit of Europe and and all the travel involved. But when it actually came down to contracts and for them having to obviously give up their housing and family and friends for what was a two-year contract at that time, it it was more difficult. So eventually we had 12 PAs. And a couple of them didn't stay the whole time. So in all, I think we had about 18 from start to finish. And they were then placed in different 
hospitals and primary care family practices across Scotland, and that ranged from Aberdeen in the north, which is a big city in the north of Scotland, to some smaller family practice outside Glasgow. So that worked really well for us. That was good. And what challenges did the PAs face during their two years in Scotland? Well, there was lots of challenges that we hadn't really anticipated. I mean, one of the things that they fed back to us was the timing of the year, actually, not far from where we are now. A number of them arrived in the late autumn and winter, so they were arriving in any time from October to November and December. Um, And as you know, well, I know in Chicago it would be very cold, but they were arriving here particularly to long, very long nights and and short days. So it's getting dark here at 4 o'clock in the afternoon until 9 o'clock the next day. A lot of them talked about the wet and the cold weather. That was something that we hadn't anticipated. More seriously, there was all sorts of things around the culture and obviously the differences in terms of the cost of living. We helped them with accommodation, with some things like arranging mobile phones and, you know, all of these kind of very fundamental things to come in to live in a different country. So those were some of the challenges in terms of moving around the actual roles of PAs. I think it was just it was such a different healthcare system from what many PAs were obviously used to working in. The teams were different. I think there was different roles of the consultants that they worked with. There were obviously different groups of staff in terms of nurses and paramedics and and all of that. And I think for them, it was not only contending with a different culture and country, but all the work and the differences in work and languages around medicines and and all of those things. So lots of challenges. But I have to say, you know, the PAs, they, they were great. They really rose to the challenge and you know, it was a great opportunity to work with them and and welcome them over to Scotland. Well, the pilot ended in 2008. And what were the findings of the pilot and what were the final recommendations of the National Health Service? Yeah, well, there was a fairly in-depth evaluation of the pilot, which is available from our website. But the recommendations were very positive. They certainly came up with the conclusion that PAs were undoubtedly an option for us in Scotland, um, that PAs could fill what we saw as a a gap within the healthcare system, particularly in that middle grade, within a whole range of medical specialties, ranging from family practice to some of the surgical specialties. So that was very positive. I think what, what it didn't do was say very categorically how it could be done. And it really left the government to make the decision about whether Scotland should then go ahead and provide its own PA school. But as I say on the whole, it was very positive around the contribution that PAs could make to the NHS in Scotland. So they like the idea of PAs, but they're not prepared to home grow them. Is that where you're at? They weren't prepared to make that decision nationally, and they weren't prepared at the moment to put money into preparing a programme, yes. So in a sense, you know, that was really disappointing for a number of us that were involved in the project, including my colleague Trish O'Connor, who is one of the supervisors of the PAs working in emergency medicine. So yeah, I mean, that was very disappointing. I think part of the reason for that, though, was that a number of the areas in Scotland weren't too sure themselves. There were three or four of the hospitals that were used to 
working with PAs were extremely positive, they were extremely enthusiastic, but there were still quite a number of areas in Scotland who hadn't been involved in the pilot, and they were still you know, quite unsure of the role, they weren't quite sure if it was the right thing for them, they were kind of just sitting back waiting to see what happened next. So the government, I think, were then a bit unclear about whether they could really take that, what they saw, I think what they still see is that big step to say, let's go for this in a much more nationalised way and let's put some major funding into developing a programme. So what are the next steps? We're still continuing to support PAs in Scotland. Obviously the pilot's finished. The majority of the PAs, all their contracts finished and they, they came back to the States or I think maybe one went to England. There's a couple that stayed and they're doing some really good work with their own employers to look at the role and really try and provide some options for the future. We're actually meeting in a couple of weeks. with a, We have a national group that's set up to still maintain a database, so to be very clear about the numbers of PAs that we currently have in Scotland, either from the US or from England, um, to work closely with... One of the universities we know in Scotland is doing some work to potentially develop a programme. I think the problem is whether there'll be enough need and whether there will be sufficient funding for them to develop that programme. That could be exciting. The problem is at the moment we don't actually know whether that will go ahead or not. So it is difficult. It's frustrating on one hand. On the other hand, I feel kind of I'm, I've been involved in the project, but I'm not part of the government. So it's trying to sort of influence the right people to see what we can do and what the next steps could possibly be. Well, for United States PAs that are interested in working in Scotland, how can they get more information? They can get information by going on to our website and they can contact me or I can forward their emails on to the hospitals that I know are looking into developing a base of PAs. I mean, there are one or two areas, as I said, Lanarkshire, which is outside Glasgow, were very much involved in the pilot. You know, they just see a real need for PAs. They have had some wonderful PAs working with them, both in orthopaedics and in the emergency department and they're really keen to develop the role further so um, yeah that would probably be in the first instance it would be to drop us an email and we can get in touch or we can forward the email to the most appropriate person. Well we look forward to watching the growth of the PAs in Scotland Dorothy and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much it's lovely talking to you all. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160 the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. And you can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And thank you for listening.